This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. It's time to get intimate with Checkpoint Intimates. You're here with Elliot from Checkpoint on Joy, and I'm currently talking to Redfall Creative Director Ricardo Bear of Arcane Austin. Ricardo, I recently got a chance to go hands-on with Redfall at the Bethesda offices in Sydney. One of the first things that stood out to me is that the vampires in your game aren't your typical blood-sucking, been around for thousands of years variety. They're more modern, more science-based. Are you able to break that down for me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think choosing vampires and getting the opportunity to do our own, like Arcane's version of vampires, is one of the things that we were most excited about. Vampires are, they're the kind of monster that are, they're perennially popular, right? Like they've been around in terms of folklore for, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of years. And the cool thing about them is that every generation or every, you know, creative uh, approach, every group of creative people that takes on vampires, they get to do their own spin on them and they sort of evolve over time. Monsters tend to be metaphors for things that are on people's minds, you know, at the time. And so if if you look across the ages, you've got like, you know, a long time ago, you know, with Bram Stoker, you've got like the source of the vampirism is like a curse. He transgressed, you know, and it's got lots of it's steeped in Catholicism. And then fast forward, you've got stuff like Lost Boys, where that still kind of holds on to some of those things, but also has like a little bit more modern stuff to it. And then all you know, you got like Twilight, which is like, oh, now let's make them romantic, and they can you can you can ship with the vampires, and you know, you can be involved in romantic relationships with them. So ours though are more monsters through and through. Uh, they are our our vampirism is not um, it's not like zombies. It's not like a disease that you can accidentally uh, be infected with. Like, oh, no, I'm a good person, but I've been bitten and I'm going to turn. Our monsters are more like it's a metamorphosis that they they willingly uh, undertake. They wanted to be what they are. They were they were already vampires on the inside, uh, so to speak. They're sort of like the one percent. Right. Like I need I need all the power. I need all the wealth. But I can't just kill everyone because I need you. I need to be a parasite that the relationship is parasitical, you know. So uh, and they're science based. You know, they were. uh they came about as a result of like some exploitative uh, form of a scientific uh, investigation. Oh, and the last thing is like across the ages, even though people do their own takes on them, you always you have to keep some things. Otherwise, you don't recognize them as vampires. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a common core. There's a common thread like, hey, they have to have fangs. They have to drink blood. They have to hate the sun. If you change everything, you don't they're not really vampires anymore. Yeah, that's very true. And you have to stake them through the heart to get a kill. in Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely those connective threads. It was just really interesting to see uh, mm-hmm. your your take on the vampire. And I love that you call the, the you know, the monster is a metaphor. Uh, the mm-hmm. vampires in Redfall a metaphor for anything specific or is it more like a play a conduit kind of invent your own metaphor uh i would say i mean we deliberately had some you know we had some themes in mind when we uh created them like you know i think at the time there was a lot of like you know the inequality of like wealth and power uh that you see like the stratification of our society and like increased uh consolidation of power and wealth in the hands of a very few i mean that's basically what a vampire is right yeah, yeah, super interesting. Um, you know, I wanted to unpack, and again, 
I apologize here if um, I got some information wrong from the the version of the game I played or just I'm misremembering. But I seem to remember the vampires kind of like out in broad daylight, like whilst you're playing. Um, Mm -hmm. So how does that kind of operate and work? Yeah. So, well, it's funny because we debated um, a lot on the team whether or not we wanted. So our game has a day night cycle, like time, you know, goes by as you play the game. Um, But we debated whether or not we wanted uh, to have the vampires like hide during the day. But ultimately, we decided that it would be really cool for the vampires, some of the vampires, to be so powerful that they could do things like uh, roll the waters back, you know, isolating the entire island and even uh, cover the island with like an, uh, a perennial or eternal eclipse, like they can block the sun. And so as a result, the whole island is under an eclipse, which means that they can uh, they can come out during the day if they want. They're still they still have behaviors like even though it's eclipsed and they can come out, you will tend to find them sleeping inside, you know, abandoned houses and stuff uh, during the day. But if you wake them up, uh, they will have no problem chasing you out into the street because the the day the sun is eclipsed. I guess the flip side of the monster are the characters, the protagonists that you play as. And mm-hmm. we've got four characters in the game. I only uh, got a chance to play one of them, uh, Jacob, who was okay. freaking fun was to play. Ask you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, he's totally my style. I love any character that starts with a sniper, <clears throat> has some kind of yeah. escape, stealthy kind of uh, yes. mechanic involved, and like the the sighting out things with the raven. It's like, yeah, I as soon as I read the character description, I'm like, well, you've sold me. Um, but <laughs> right. I'd love to know more about the characters in general and and maybe not just the kind of mechanical uh, class-based stuff that we, we kind of can know and see in, in game trailers, but also more about them as characters. Like, how did they come together? How do they work mm-hmm. off each other? All of those good things. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I think early on we started – It's the process of inventing them is, is an organic process um and we started with just very high level like gameplay concepts like what are some like player packages uh like skill packages that would be just fun you know to like navigate the world with like okay let's have a stealthy sniper let's have a character who's got a pet let's have a character who has really weird gadgets you know and eventually those things started like uh, uh we started layering on fictional once we were happy with the gameplay stuff we started layering on the fiction of like okay Jacob is an ex-military sniper who was like a foster kid in West Virginia. That's how he. That's why he has a hard time trusting people. You know, Layla is uh, a medical student uh, who is just like super into horror movies and like, you know, has you know parent issues or whatever. Um, and these are things that you would discover about them, uh, you know, as you navigate and uh, and make your way through the the main story of the game and you listen to their comments and stuff. But if you happen to play co-op, you get even more insight into that because we have this thing called the trust system, which you guys wouldn't have had access to, obviously, because you only played single player. But hopefully you'll get to play co-op soon. Mm. Um, but as you play with other characters, the longer you play with them, uh, they will start to basically become they'll have a though their friendship will grow and so they'll have deeper and deeper conversations with each other, like in the walls mm. between combats and uh, stuff like that. But our intention from the beginning also was like these people don't know each other initially um they are strangers to each other they all are stranded on the island for different reasons you know some of them are from the island like layla and some of them are uh, outsiders like devinder and jacob uh but over time uh they become you know friends with each other yeah that's so interesting i love that 
conversations get deeper and it feels a bit more organic in that way. Um, mm-hmm. But it does kind of raise the question now, like if you are playing the single player, are you missing out on those story beats, that narrative development, those character moments? It's definitely the case that you uh, you would be, by definition, you're missing out on Layla getting to know Remy because Remy's not in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, w- I do think he would. you still get the opportunity to know, like if you're just playing as Layla, you still get the opportunity to know about Layla herself. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, theoretically, you can boot up a, a new save and, and get to know other characters in that exact exactly. same way. Yeah. Yep. It is an interesting concept, though, balancing the, the kind of single-player and uh, cooperative experience. I, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Arcane made some incredible kind of narrative-driven games in the past. Um, and as soon as you open up to like a more open world, four-play co-op kind of like uh, <laughs> make your own fun in the open world kind of gameplay experience, there must be some kind of balance and trade-off. Did you find much that was like needed to be sacrificed just to get both kind of components working alongside each other? Yeah, I mean, that's spot on for sure, because uh, it's definitely, you know, if you look at the trajectory of all of our games, um, we have a common, like, creative core, like a creative a, a set of creative values that we bring to every game is, is the same. But if you look at the games themselves, they're very different from each other. Dishonored is not exactly the same as Prey, you know, uh, they're very different games. Um, Prey has lots of stealth. Um, it has a very traditional mission structure, a classic progression prey it has uh, it doesn't have a it's not focused on stealth even though it has it as a component and it's got a it's basically an open world in the sense that you can go anywhere you want in the space station with each game we try to stretch ourselves a little bit creatively and so this time we were like hey what if we took our creative values the way that we make games um we've always wanted to do an even bigger more open world style game so let's do that and also let's be real crazy and say uh let's let you invite your friends into your game because we always wanted to make a game where you could play we could play the kind of game we make but invite uh your friend the fact is it does change the experience you know in the sense that like the single player experience it's probably a lot more like a traditional arcane experience. You you have more freedom and time to sort of immerse yourself and to explore. But like with most other co-op games, it's the same here. Like when you, the more people you add, the more it starts to become a little bit more like a party. You know, I don't know if you played many co-op games, but it's it's a blast. But you're you're less you're thinking less about like you know the story and listening to what that character's saying and reading this interesting note you found by the dead body because your friend's like come on dude let's go we gotta shoot i'm over here i'm like three miles away from you hurry up what are you doing you're like wait slow down i'm dead come get save me yeah it's it's like it raises such a good point because i i guess like going in and experiencing this single player um i came away like probably expecting that i wanted to play redfall multiplayer and then i played it single player in even even just a demo setting and i was like i was so i enjoyed the world and the the kind mm-hmm. of narrative moments i was experiencing so much that now i'm like nervous that my friends are going to ruin that for me <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can see why you would yeah, why you would say that for sure that's why i think it's actually like what i would do is like play the game single through one time single player and then you know do a co-op playthrough with your buddies because uh, it's just uh, the both. I, it's hard to pick a favorite because, but for me personally, both modes are so fun. It's just really fun to experience um, the way the powers interact with each other in co-op. You know, like uh, mm. it's just a, v- a very exciting and a different kind of experience. 
Yep, definitely. Um, and I guess that kind of moves us on to a question that I feel like I have to ask, even though I, I yeah. feel a bit guilty about doing so. But obviously, there was <laughs> a bit of controversy around this game being kind of online only, mm, yeah. um, which may well be one of the trade-offs you had to make during development. Is there any kind of like, I don't know, regret over that decision? Or do, are, you, are you pretty firm that, no, this was the right call? And what advantages does the well, kind of solo player get? Yeah, no, don't feel bad. Uh, here's here's our perspective on that. Basically, um, the fact that it's on that it requires an online connection right now is actually really valuable because it provides us with a bunch of um, feedback and telemetry data, which means it basically uh, gives us information about how players are playing the game so that we can make the game better. Uh, however, we are completely sympathetic to the feedback and we plan on addressing that as fast as possible so look forward to that oh brilliant okay a uh, little teaser there that's good <laughs> yeah um <laughs> what about the rest of the kind of open world experience like if we do focus on the kind of co-op open world uh romping around uh style of stuff i remember seeing kind of nests um that i had to i guess liberate or mm-hmm. safe houses that i had to secure there were like little side missions scattered around as well is there anything else i'm kind of missing from that list like what do you do within the open world yeah i mean so the world itself is uh forlorn and uh spooky than like a probably a typical open world because the island has been uh taken over by vampires so the streets aren't like you know bustling with civilians or whatever most people are dead mm-hmm. uh or they're in hiding or they have joined cults uh that worship these vampire gods like the hollow man mm-hmm. um the uh the the segment that you played takes place in the first area of the game like if you open the map uh, but there's an there's a second area that's even bigger that has multiple vampire gods so one of the cool things you'll find in the open world later is that like uh, the cultists and the vampire gods they're not all on the same team uh, every vampire would rather they're the only be the only vampire in the world, right? Um, so you can play the factions against each other. You'll find them fighting each other sometimes. Uh, so the open world is populated with cool little encounters that sort of spring up uh, as you explore. Like you said, there's nests uh, that you can uh, defeat. If you if you ignore the nests, their influence grows. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, I did not. Where you're playing, but they have this like little they have this sphere of influence that grows over time. And any cultist or vampire inside that area is like twice as strong. So you have a, a little bit of a tact or a strategic choice there. Like, should I, you know, try to do- move around the, the zone of control the nest has or should I go in and because uh, it could potentially overlap your the mission that you're going to if you ignore it long enough, uh, which is an interesting dynamic. Um but yeah, there's safe houses, safe house missions. You'll find you'll find uh, spots sometimes we call them one shots, but they're just little special encounters like uh, you might find an abandoned house with like a little mystery in it or a cave somewhere or something. You know, it's just stuff to explore side missions. Um, and I'm curious if you triggered a rook storm. I did. I, uh, yeah. So I, that I happens, did. too. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you beat the rook? I did beat the rook. I, I oh, feel okay. like I, uh, I fumbled my way through that encounter somehow. I was uh, <laughs> a little overwhelmed, to say the yeah. least, when that rook He's spawned, especially in the area it spawned, which was like the the kind of the hollow man's mansion. Oh, the mansion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a lot of like tight corridors and a lot of other enemies around. <laughs> yes. Yep. But, he tends yeah. to do that when he least uh, when it's least convenient for you. He, he comes after you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And, you know, before we have to wrap up here, um, yeah. you touched on kind of uh, more of the horror elements of the game as well, which mm-hmm. made me remember that during our play session, one of the other journos who were there literally was expressing discomfort at the horror and that it was very really? hard for her. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> how much, um, like, do you anticipate horror lovers to really get a kick out of this thing or was this a um, bit of an exception? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I feel like, you know, you've got when I think of horror, I probably think of something that's a little more uh, like disturbing or hardcore. You know, mm-hmm. and we tried to strike a balance. Uh, the way we looked at it was like let, our approach to this should be like uh, the word we always used is like spooky or spoopy. You know, it's like it's more like Halloween. Halloween is scary, but it's fun at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's that was kind of our our filter or our lens is like let's make it be feel like Halloween feels. It could be scary, but mostly you're having fun. Well, I think that's probably all the time I have for you. I don't want to I don't want to encroach into anybody else's time. But thank you so much no for sharing all that information um, and for making such a seemingly really cool game so far. Well, thank you, Elliot. It was nice to meet you, and uh, thanks for actually coming out and playing the game. I hope you had a good time. Absolutely. I certainly did. Thank you. You've been listening to Checkpoint Intimates. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.